Hello, and welcome to the New Beginnings Discipleship Ministry Podcast. Here, we share the Word of God for all people to understand that they are born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. A desire is for everyone to not just know what their purpose is, but to live it out. We believe we are designed to live out a kingdom lifestyle that aligns to the kingdom of God and the word of God. Now go ahead and grab something to write with, make room wherever you are at, and prepare your heart, mind, and soul for another amazing word from God. Here we go. 11, starting at verse number 1, New King James Version, it reads as follows. Now when they draw near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite of you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside of the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, Why are you doing, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So on today, what I want to give us as a theme is, if this thing will move, we will overcome. We will overcome. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you on today for all that has transpired, for all that you have allowed for us to experience, not just today, but within our lifetime, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you, Lord, are over our lives, but that, Lord, you are training us and building us up to understand how we are to dominate the very territory that you have entrusted us with in the name of Jesus. So, God, we say thank you and we praise your holy name. Father God, we recognize that Palm Sunday is a day in which we commemorate you going into and starting a wreck shop within the city of Jerusalem, tearing down systems and reestablishing the kingdom of heaven on earth and showing us how we are to continue to replicate it and to manage it and to allow for it to bloom. So Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you sent your only begotten son to die for our sins, but that he is not dead. He is surely alive in the name of Jesus. So we recognize and understand that this day is the beginning of the sentence of the path in which he had to walk so that we may be joined back to the family. So we thank you and praise you that your plans for us, Father God, 
are so detailed that we cannot understand it and that you ask us to believe by faith that where we are to go, we will get there in the path you lay before us. So, Father God, I bind up every attack of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I bind up every form of allergy that will try to suffocate my voice in the name of Jesus. It will not prosper in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that your people's ears will be unplugged on today so that they can hear the very essence that you need them to take with them and to begin to um, cultivate that in their life and in the walk in the place that they are at in the name of Jesus. Father God, all that you call me to be stores over are covered with the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Spirit of death, you must pass over in the name of Jesus. We put the blood on our doorposts right now in the name of Jesus to declare and decree that the spirit of death must pass over as we signal that we are part of your kingdom and part of your family. So, Father God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. So before I get too far into the word on today, I need to take care of some housekeeping uh, business. And what I mean by housekeeping, I mean this housekeeping, okay? And so I'm talking about me. I'm talking about some things that God is working with me on. Um, you may notice that recently I've been more quiet and more reserved. And it's because God is answering a prayer for me. And so it's something that he's working out of me. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you ask God to work something out of you and then he actually does it, you want to scream at the top of your lung, can you stop? But I have to let God finish this work for whatever comes next in Jesus' name. And so in the midst of that, I need to repent publicly for something that happened on Thursday. On Thursday, I shared some exciting news that happened that I received. But I seemed very mute, or very distant. And so my intentions was good because one thing I wanted to do is not tell an incomplete story. But um, God was like, you missed the mark there. Literally, you missed the mark. Because the thing was that even though I know it's a chapter in this story that he's writing right now, I missed the point of addressing um, being excited when God does something in your life. And so I repent publicly, and I'm going to say this again and actually show the joy that I have. For those who are unaware, on Wednesday of this past week, um, I, was, I was selected as one of the educators of the year through the Des Moines Rotary Club. So, so I am happy about it. I am excited about it. Okay, I, I recognize that. Um, like I said, there, there's another time I'll put the whole story together. Um, but yes, I, I am excited. I am happy. And the thing about it, and I didn't say this on Thursday, is that when we talk about opportunity to show that God is your father and Jesus Christ is your brother, one of the reasons I wanted to reserve and not say it yet, because I wanted to get through April 28th. I wanted to actually implement and show it and not try to talk myself out of not showing that God is my father and Jesus Christ is my brother to a group of people that have no idea who you are. But you now gave me a platform. You told me I got three to four minutes to say something. Oh, you bet your bottom dollar. Yeah, you already, you know, messed up now, Cleta. So, so that was my reason why I was like, God, you, you, you want to a complete story, but I need to show to celebrate successes. Because one of the things that I struggled with was celebrating myself. Because I always use it as, I always thought of celebrating myself was an act of pride. 
what I miss is that if I celebrate myself, I'm actually using it as an opportunity to celebrate something God did in me to show people that it's possible to see and to know that God will do things for you. And if we as the people of God will not take a time to show the people in the world how you can still celebrate God as compliments coming to you, then how would they ever learn how to be successful? They know how to fail. They don't know how to succeed in God. Okay, I'll move. That's I'll. So... So with that, um, if you didn't catch on, it is going to be on April 28th. I know the event is going to be the live stream I posted on Facebook, so I'm pretty sure someone in the church will find it and post and embarrass me. Probably my wife. She's a traitor. Anyway, um, <laughs> nevertheless, so um, let me go ahead and move forward on today. I, I need to take care of that business so now we can move forward. So on to the word on today, amen? So for those who are new to New Begin Cybership Ministries, our theme for this year is overcomer. Say overcomer. Oh, we're going to address that in a moment. This, ba- this is based off of 1 John 4 and 4, which reads, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, it is time for the people of God to rise and overcome the various things that have or will arise against them throughout this process. But the God that we serve, the words that we have declared over our lives in the kingdom that we say that we present, it's going to come up. We have to remember that nothing is valid unless it is tested. So even the statement of saying that we're going to be overcomers, that means we're calling out situations to say and to show that we are truly overcomers. But we have to believe this statement. We have to believe that we will overcome. Say it with me. Say, I I will will overcome. Okay, now let's say it this way. Say, we We will will overcome. Okay, so, whoa, no, 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 no. See, the fact that we are not clapping, cheering, shouting, or anything else, tell us that we don't fully believe that we will overcome. So I want to make, I want to make sure you're clear. I'm not going to poke and prod you today to begin to praise when God said we will go overcome. That, those days are over. I'm just going to show you the opportunity, like God had to show me on Thursday, that I missed the opportunity so that when it comes back again, I take advantage of it. So I'm going to keep rolling. I'm doing that on purpose. So, Apostle, don't throw that at me. I'm doing it on purpose. Because we got to see the moment. Because here's the thing. We're so easy to let other people praise for us. We're so quick to let other people stand up and praise for us, and we don't have the courage or the strength to pray for ourselves. We think our voice is too weak. We think our praise are not worthy. We think we can't do it. But God said, if you just open your mouth and say, I will overcome, it begins to give you strength. It gives us strength when we're faced with something other than that. So we have to realize, if you have not realized anything else today, that your praise, our praise, is more powerful than we give it credit. Now, our praise, our declarations, our statements, they carry so much weight because we have been given creative speech. If you read Genesis 1, 26 to 28, you will find that we are made in God's likeness and image. This means the same thing that God did, we can also do. When we back up and read the entire book of Genesis, or even just Genesis chapter 1, we see that God spoke the order, spoke order into the world in existence. So let me pause here and make sure we understand what we're talking about. What that means is that we have the ability 
to declare and decree what the environment around us will look like right now. Don't believe me? Proverbs 18 and 21, what it says is that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, if you like death or if you like life, guess what's about to happen? You're going to eat the fruit of whatever it is. Yeah, take, yeah, take that one to the face like I did this morning. Because the thing is, we stop at death and life and in the power of the tongue. That is great, but tongue has sensory. Tongue has taste buds, which means the point of a tongue is to identify what you are about to ingest. And so there's fruit that's going to come with it. Um, aren't we talking about being a scion and understanding the fruit that we are producing to see if it's like the rootstock? Watch the Bible study sermon videos if you haven't yet to understand what we mean by that. But we'll just keep going. So if you ever wonder why things are not looking the way you, they see or they look like in your head or read about in a book, then you have the question, God, then you have to think about this question that God's posing to you. What are you saying? See, we talk about death and life is in the power of our tongue. We talk about having creative speech in the environment. So if the environment we see around us doesn't match what we've had a vision of, then we have to ask ourselves, are we actually saying and believing the things that God needs us to say that aligns to the environment coming out? Because according to Genesis 1, when God told the fish to pop up, they popped up. When God said trees to start flourishing, they flourish. See, when God spoke, things happened. But if you're speaking or we're speaking and things are not happening, then we have to check, are we connect to the right rootstock? Now, with that being said, we have to understand in this season has been confirmed multiple times that we're coming out of a season which our mouths have been covered with masks, and now we must begin to retrain ourselves how to speak the word of God. Just as we are learning what some people's real face look like without their mask on, we must also use the voice that has been muzzled for the past two years to declare God's presence in this world. If we don't, who will? We also cannot afford to sow confusion with the words that we speak. We must resharpen our tongue to speak the word of God and not the words of our flesh. Now, if you want a book to go to to understand what I mean by the tongue portion, read James 3. Read James 3 as a reference. I'm just going to refer to a couple of verses here. But go to James 3 if you want to understand more about the power of the tongue and what it can do. But I want to look at James 3, verse 4 into 5. And it says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So, that hurts. So, with the boat side. So, with, so here's the thing. I want you to see the image of the boat. I need you to see it with your eyes so you understand what I'm referring to. So, a ship like this, a cruise ship, I know some of you are like, I want to get back on the cruise. I know. I'm using it, it, I, I, yes, moving on. Um, so this big ship here, different floors, all of that, levels and what have you. On the very back of the ship is a little rudder. Now, the rudder will always be smaller than the size of the ship. And it's at the back of the ship to help guide it. And it's connected to where the pilot is sitting um, to be able to see what's in front. My point is the size of the rudder is smaller than the thing that is helping to move in the water. People of God, we have to understand that the words that we speak, even though our word count may be little, they are mighty in power. And in the midst of it, we cannot afford in this season 
to use our words to sow any type of confusion or doubt wherever we may go. It's like you having a rudder and you can't decide if you want to go left or go right. It's like you turning the steering wheel, you keep, in Houston, what we call swinging and banging when you go from one lane to another. I know that term is weird. Just trust me, that's what it's called, okay? Okay? Because you basically sway in and out is what you're doing if you think about motorcycles. It's the same motion, but in Texas, they take the old Cadillacs and do the same thing. So they end up having to block out the entire freeway, which is five lane wide, to be able to do the, uh, the swag parade is what it's called. The slap parade, that's what it's called. I know it's culture. Just roll me here. The point is, a steering wheel in a car moves a massive vehicle. Just like how the steering wheel and the rotor in a ship controls where this big, massive boat goes. So for us, the words that we speak has the ability to dictate whether we are living by faith or living by a falsity of faith. It has that much power. And we have to retrain ourselves how we're going to speak the way that God wants us to do. The kingdom is so worthy of us being able to get the spoken piece correct. We have to understand that our words have the ability to either enhance or cancel the very ministry and the effectiveness of it that God is calling for us to carry out. In other words, it has the ability to, for us to abort the very ministry that God is saying is needed within this time period. We constantly say that we are born on purpose for a purpose, and with purpose. But if we are not willing to even speak out that purpose, then are we really going to live out the purpose God's called us to do in this season? Or take a step back. Do you even know the purpose God has for you in this season? Even if you're aware of the massive and big purpose that God has for you, do you know what the purpose of today is in your life? See, those are actionable steps we can maximize in asking God, what am I to do today? What am I to do this week? What am I supposed to do in May? What am I supposed to do in the summer? And allow for God to use it as an opportunity to retrain us on what our purpose is. But once he gives this to us, begin to declare that into the atmosphere so that we can bump into whatever we are saying. We have to speak out what God is showing us so we have the faith to be able to bump into it. And so the people of God, us, if you want to call us people of God, is to be able to know that the kingdom is worth of saying exactly what needs to be said and not to be ashamed of saying it in front of other people who don't know who our God is. See, Romans 1 and 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jews first and also for the Greek. In other words, we're included, y'all. We're included. We have the ability and access into the gospel of Christ. We have the access into the kingdom of God. He wants us. He desires us. He's included us into the family. But we have to be able to say those words and say that we are a part of the family. But we also have to believe the very words that we are saying. God is tired of us saying empty words. God wants us to say words that we believe in faith that gives us the strength to be able to hit on impact and destroy and dismantle the very mountains and hills that we are looking at that are blocking us from being able to reach the very goal that God has placed before us. 
come on now, we are a body of people. New Begin Cybership Ministry, you know good and well there's any challenges in front of you. Y'all are knuck if you buck. Y'all are real quick to be like, this ain't going to stay here much longer. You can stay here as long as you want to, but you got about 3.5 seconds before either I'm going to take you out or someone's going to come and take you out because it's too, it's too valuable. You're blocking me. In other words, let me break this down. What is in front of us has lesser value than the destiny on the other side of it. And if we're willing to stay at the very stop sign or hill that's in front of us, then we switch which position has more value. We switched it. But here's the thing about it, and I'm going to show you. It's so interesting, the word of God, that God's strategy is I will show you the end, to show you what's in front of you, and give you the access on how to break it out in front of you, how to move it out. Say it with me. Say, we will overcome. All righty. Y'all are catching on. There you go. All righty. So how does all of this relate back to the triumphant entry that we read in Mark 11? I'm so glad you asked. When we look at the main text for today, we see Jesus Christ asking, sorry, seeing Jesus Christ making his way downtown, walking fast. I'm sorry. Sorry, I said that. I I'm sorry. Let me, let me try this again. So seriously, we find Jesus Christ on his way to Jerusalem prior to the Passover feast. On his way, he instructs two of his disciples to go to a nearby village and retrieve a donkey or in some version may say a colt. He even gives them instructions on what to do if someone asks them what they are doing. Yeah, I did it on purpose. Stop, keep laughing. It's okay. The two disciples retrieved the donkey and even had to use the instructions on what to do when they were questioned about what they were doing. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that. Let me back up. Okay, let me back up. It's okay. Let me back this up. Jesus Christ is going to Jerusalem. Told two disciples, yo, y'all go to this side side village. Go get the donkey and colt. Bring it back to me. Okay, so that's the goal. Go get the donkey, bring it back. If someone is going to ask you what's going on, what you're doing, tell them I need it. In other words, he identified there's a blockage that can happen. But then he said, this is your response when they get there. Right? So then the two disciples actually carried out what happened. And what Jesus Christ said may happen did happen. But when it happened, they were ready. They were prepared. Now, here's the thing. The disciples didn't question Jesus Christ on what to do. They didn't say, man, are you about to make me steal something? Like, they didn't ask any questions whatsoever. They just literally did what Jesus Christ told them to do. So their first level was obedience to go and start untying the donkey. But it wasn't until they started untying the donkey that someone said, what are you doing? Freeze. As a kid, when you know you ain't doing something you're supposed to do, and someone say, hey, what you doing? They do that like shake paws, like, oh, that, you know, that thing. Yeah, and so, and even as adults, sometimes when you know you ain't supposed to be where you're supposed to be, and, you know, the Holy Spirit kicks in and be like, what you doing? You do that same shiver? Yeah, that happens. See, because you know you weren't where you're supposed to be and not supposed to do what you're supposed to do. But for these two men, we don't hear that they were shaking or shiver or question. What they did is they spoke out what Jesus Christ told them to say. We're talking about speaking things out, right? They didn't, and here's the thing. They didn't alter it. They didn't twist it. 
they said exactly what Jesus Christ told them to say. And once they did that obedience, not just an action to go get the donkey, but also obedient in what they're supposed to say in the midst of the situation, there was no more issue of them getting the donkey and be able to complete the mission. People of God, we're so good if God tells us to do the first thing. Go do this. Yes, Lord, I will do it. Go say this. Hmm? Say what now? Huh? Here we go. What'd you say? What'd you say, God? You said to say what, to who, for what, whatever. See, most of us, it's not an issue of going to the location that we have with God. It's saying something and saying what God tells us to say in the midst of the situation. Or when God puts us in those divine, divine appointments and God said, now start talking. Talking about what? Talk about what we've been talking about. What? No, it ain't time yet. Think about what I started off talking about today. It, it's not ready. God, I'm not ready. It's not ready. It's not the right time. How are we going to tell God when it's time? When he already gave us what to say, when it's time to do it, but we are too clogged up with the things of the world, we're too clogged up with things around us so that we don't realize that God already gave us the answer for this test, the one that comes after, and the one that comes after. And so we're prepared already. We're already there. So they already addressed it and went there. They didn't say, man, nah, Jesus, I can't do that. Man, I got kicked by Matthew's donkey last week. Man, I'm still hurting. No, they just went and did it, and they did it and spoke it in faith. People of God, we have to begin to speak by faith, and with the faith we say that we have. Some of us will have to show our faith physically. I will credit that, and that makes sense. Some of us have to show our faith by being there, but other of us have to show our faith by what we're saying. Some of us, people will see us and watch us and gain faith and see we believe. But you know those, like, advanced testers are being like, ha-ha, I see you. Now, do you really know your word? Like, they start poking at you to see if you're actually going to do and know what you're supposed to know. And you're laughing, but think about it. Jesus had to go through a week of testing where people kept throwing stuff at him, throwing challenges at him, saying, if you God, do this, saying, if you're God, do that, saying, if you're the son of God, do this. But he has to remember, I already punked Satan in his face when I got done fasting for 40 days. So this is nothing. It's round two, baby. And I already know I'm victorious. Now, how many of us come with that same confidence? Remember, we're talking about being overcomers, right? We're talking about that if God did it and Jesus Christ did it, we can do it too. So how many of us are willing to go back into the fight, to fight the very thing that punked us before and to say, you do not win this time? This is what we're talking about, saying we will overcome. I didn't put what to overcome. I said we will overcome anything that has the audacity to stand against our God. We will have the spirit of David to stand against Goliath and to use the very thing that he's trained us with back in the field to be able to defeat the, the Goliath that is in our field, that's in the valley, trying to punk us and tell us that he's champion when we already serve the mighty champion that already defeated him. I'm just showing you what God has already shown me so you can get on the same page playboy so with all that and we look at Mark 11 Mark 11 says and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road Matthew 21 and 8 says it this way in the King James Version it says and a very great multitude spread their garment in the way 
Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. Now, when we talk about the branches, we are referring to the palms. This is where the palms comes in, just so you are aware. And what's interesting about palms is that when they're on top of their tree, they actually are the shape of a crown. Okay, we won't keep moving. And so it's realizing that a crown is being cut down from the tree and laid down before the king of kings and the lord of lords. But the part I want to point out to you, and this really was interesting, is that the phrase great multitude is not referring to the people in the city of Jerusalem. It's referring to the group of people that are coming in the city with Jesus Christ. So let me, so the image you see on the screen right now is the picture of a boxer entrance. And this is the image that God gave me. See, when you have a boxer in the middle in the white robe, I believe this is the picture of, of uh, Anthony Joshua. I believe that's the picture I pulled. But you see there are people around him, right? So number one, a champion never comes in by themselves. See, in a boxing scenario, when a boxer enters a fight, typically they have their cut man, they may have an assistant, um, they may have their trainer there, trainer one, uh, first trainer, second trainer, but the part that really popped up to me is you also have family and friends who are there, and you tend to, if they're a champion, have someone carrying the belt for the champion. In a boxing scenario, the champion don't really wear the belt around their waist until the end. Normally, someone else is holding the belt up high, and they're shouting declarations saying, the champ is here. There's no questioning happening with the audience that's coming with the champ. Now, the champ may start all by themselves on stage, based on how they want to present it, but they tend to have crew around them, right? So for Jesus Christ, he brought a crew with him, a team with him, going into the city of Jerusalem, a place where they don't even believe that he is king. They're going to question who he is. But he brought his crew that knew who he was, that walked with him, that saw him do miracles, that saw him do the worst, and they are the one laying down the palms. They are the one putting down their clothes. They are the one that put the clothes on the donkey so you can usher in like a king. They are the ones saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're the ones shouting. That means that is our job, to shout that God that is king. And Lord, we are the one to declare and decree within the very territories that we're walking into. Because we know he's king, it's time for them to learn he is king. Now, yes, as you go through the week, we understand that people started to act flaky or people started peopling. And we get to the point where Jesus Christ had to walk by himself. That is true, and I'm not taking that fact away. But I want to focus on the interest that Jesus Christ did not come by himself. He came with a crew that already had his back. People of God, you ha we have to understand that we are carrying Jesus Christ with us wherever we go. We have the ability to usher in and hold up that belt to say that he is the champion. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. We have the ability to make declarations, not questioning statements, about who God is, where he is in our life, what he said he will, what he said he will do, and also give access. Because here's the thing. In a boxing scenario, they don't know what the outcome is going to be. They believe the champion is going to win, but they don't know. He can get knocked out. He can lose by decision because judges believe that he didn't do enough to win. Just like how judges or chiefs paraded Jesus from hall to hall 
to try to break him when Jesus was quiet because he didn't respond to their words because it didn't match up with the kingdom of God. So when those things happen, when we look at that as far as being back up, we have to understand that when we talk about Psalm Sunday, him coming in and ushering him, our praise is powerful, it is declaratory, but we have to understand as you heard all the songs today that he never lost. See, we don't have to guess what the result is. He never lost. He is undefeated. I know LeVar Balls, I know undefeated, never lost. I know, but he never lost. So what will that do to the enemy when we're the ones coming in shouting praise, shouting glory and honor to his name? What will that do to the enemy when he hears, oh, my God, the undefeated champ is coming? You mean the person that I fought one-on-one without the crew and he beat me? Now he's bringing the squad with him? to know, Like, I got him one-on-one before he got people. Now he's bringing the whole squad with him now? What's about to happen now? See, that's the way we want the enemy is to be afraid of us realizing that we're on the winning side. And here's the catch, that we don't want him at all. We don't want the enemy. There is nothing you can give us that will do anything greater than what God has done for us. There's nothing at all. Nothing you can do, nothing you can sell, nothing that can transpire. Amen? So here's the thing. We will overcome, y'all. I'm saying it in the declaratory voice. We will overcome. We will overcome every challenge that comes before us. We will overcome everything that rises again. We will overcome even the things we don't know are coming around the corner. We will overcome. No losses whatsoever in Jesus' name. Amen? Give God some praise on today. Amen. As you stand to your feet. As you stand to your feet, on last night, I had the opportunity, the first time in my life, it's very weird, but I had the opportunity to witness a live auction for a event um, for a nonprofit organization. And my God, that was entertaining. I ain't gonna lie. That was fun to see that voice and everything happen. I was like, oh, this is funny. Let me get my Sprite and enjoy this show. Oh, it was, whoo, I ain't never, I know I talk fast, but I don't talk that fast. I don't talk that fast. But the reason why I bring that up is one, because I promised the Brazzles I would, but two, the other part, the reason I bring it up is because you have people that when they wanted to make a bid, they did it with pride. They were like, boom, 5,000, five, fit. like they were like, no, no, movement whatsoever. Now, we did have one person who didn't realize what the rules were and almost bought something for $5,200. Yeah, yeah, Kelly in the green. Yeah, she almost got busted. In, but anyway, yeah, it was, whew, you can tell we got the name Kelly with the, in the green dress. But the point I want to make is this, is they were not afraid to spend money. And this is not about prosperity, but hear, hear my heart. They were not afraid to invest in something that they saw value in. And when they wanted to invest, it wasn't like under the desk or under the, no, they did it in front of everybody because someone had the signal that I see you. What would happen if the church, if the people of God was no longer afraid 
to show who their God really is. To come out of the shadows and regardless of who's looking to say, I serve God. I serve the Lord. I give up all that I used to serve. I serve God. To do something unorthodox. To be able to say, I serve God. This is what we're getting to when we say, how do we show weekly that God is our father and Jesus Christ is our brother? We want to thank you on today for joining us as we go into the word of God to continue to understand our God-given purpose. If you are wanting more information about New Begins Discipleship Ministries, please look in our description box for ways to connect with us, whether through our social media outlet or if you're desiring to visit us, whether virtually or in person. We thank you once again. We pray that you have an awesome day and amazing week.